I love talking to just about anybody with knowledge of fishing, of course. But this week, we're going to take it a step further. I've been following um, our guy here that I'm about to talk about for a little while. Uh, he's on the east coast of Florida. Lots of great knowledge. And one of the interesting things that really caught me was one of his first videos where he started talking about uh, temperatures and how the seasons play on an area that he's fishing. And a logbook about how much information was in here about when the fish were coming, when they were biting, and all that knowledge. So... Sit tight, everybody. We're going to get into it. You're listening to Find a Demo Surf Fishing. New week, new do, new good stuff. It's Friday when you're listening to this anyway. And actually, it is Friday. How convenient. Yeah, so the weekend's coming. Hopefully, you're going to get out and do some fishing. This winter has been rough, I know. And the winter is always kind of rough fishing. But we've got some cool info here. So this week, we're talking to Spencer Brogdon of uh, Broken Reel 23. You can find him on YouTube and Facebook under those names. And lots of good stuff. If you haven't taken a look at his channel with the knowledge, uh, you're missing out. He also did a really long video. I think it was about an hour and some change with Chip not too long ago uh, on a whole lot of information that I could uh, I, I did dissect for hours. So without further ado, Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, glad to uh, be a part of it, man. Been hearing a lot of good things about the show, so awesome. now I'm part of it. <laughs> Whoever that was, thank you for plugging me, you nice people, you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, man. So let's jump right in. Uh, so tell us about yourself. Yeah, I've been, uh, grew up, I'm a native Florida, Floridian. There's not many of us left now, but uh, grew up here in uh, Jack's Beach, Florida, and uh, been around the ocean my entire life. Two kids, happily married, and uh, own my own landscaping business. And uh, fishing, obviously, is my number one passion, but doesn't pay the bills, so I cut grass. <laughs> a sad, a so, sad truth yeah. for us now. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is it? You know, this one thing—it's so big. Fishing is huge, and you know, I love watching. What is it? I think ESPN showed a big thing on like the bass tournaments, and I'm all. You realize yes. in the surf, we can catch a lot of really cool big things. Why can't we get cool sponsors like that? Why? I want that stupid I money. I want a boat. Come on. <laughs> I think the the I think sometimes surf fishermen aren't looked looked upon as the same as these guys who are winning the uh, you know the bass tournaments, redfish tournaments, mm -hmm. and such. We're just those guys who can't afford a boat. <laughs> <laughs> we, but we still catch fish. So there's that. Absolutely. <laughs> and we catch some really good yes. ones. Oh, boy. Uh, so how did you get into fishing? Well, my dad was a commercial fisherman and uh, out of Mayport. So he he took the I, – I, I mean, I was born probably – they say I was born with a fishing rod, but, you know, not true. But <laughs> I definitely had his DNA – for fishing and uh from an early age you know just fishing the surf with him and the intercoastal and uh, i never got a chance to go out on his boat they had a, a long line boat and a commercial grouper boat and i was 
tempted to go and start trying that lifestyle, but he told me a few times of the waves coming over the top of the boat, and that pretty much uh, sealed the deal for me. And I said, okay, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, yeah, man. So I st- stick to the surf and the river now. <laughs> you know, there's so, something to be said about rogue waves. Yes, yes. I mean, he. the thing I can say is, uh, you know, I started pier fishing when I was about 10. My best friend invited me up to the Jack's Beach Pier, and I, after the first trip, that was it. I saw all these flounder being caught and sheephead, and I said, I want this, you know, yep. and then pretty much from every weekend and every day after school, I would uh, be out there. My mom knew where I was, so she dropped me <laughs> off and uh, coming home with fish every day. But, uh, yeah, it was, my dad would have smoked me offshore, but a few times he came up to the pier and I had to put it on him, and he's just, man, you really <laughs> learned this stuff. I said, well, I'm out here every day, Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when we were kids. It's kind of like, you know, it's a huge difference of when the kids are now. You know, parents for us, we're like, all right, well, you know when to be home when the streetlights are on, so maybe give yes, me a call. Yeah. You know, you carried a dime. Yes, we carried dimes or a quarter in your shoe, or when it changed to 35 cents, you had to get creative. You know, that way you could hit the pay phone because we didn't have cell yes. phones. Or the, the collect call. Hey, Mom, I'm at the pier. I'll be home at dinner. You know, <laughs> or, or I don't know how many times it happened more than once where, okay, we want you, we're picking you up at uh, 630, be at the, the base of the pier. Well, a few of the times the sheephead were biting in, uh, I forgot the time and they let me know, well, we left, so you're going to have to find your own way home. <laughs> so I would always, hey, I'll give you a couple sheephead if you can get me a ride home. <laughs> okay, no problem. That's a fair <laughs> trade back then when we were kids. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. I can live with that. <laughs> Oh, it's always that next bite even though you have a cooler for that next bite is what matters the most yeah it's funny though about the pier and I, mean, I know this is surf fishing related but on the same one the pier falls into the surf quite more than not it's amazing what you can catch at the pier uh, i mean here in navarre we just had a record weekend uh off the navarre pier uh 20 i saw that that was nuts dude at 20 blackfin tuna I that mean, is phenomenal yeah I know the pier is probably stacked. I haven't even looked at the Navarre Beach Cam yet to look at the the pier, but I'm I'm, I'm willing to bet the Octagon is completely packed right now. With people like oh, I'm going on out days like that, you yeah, on days like that, you you wait about two weeks to post that. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> know what I, I mean? Because <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what's going to happen. Everyone who wasn't fishing will be out there now. Yep. Well, it didn't help. So we have a Navarre Pier Press. Essentially, it's a guy that does a Navarre Pier fishing report. And it just happened to be that day that he was there, and he got that article out, and the video, and all of it. And I was like, "Well, there it went." Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny when he's out there. It's been—I've always noticed this. The times he's out there, um, it's very limited amount of people who are on the octagon at the time. It's—you know—it's not packed like it always is. And the days he's out there, you know, people are really catching stuff. Like I've watched one where it was a, a Bonita run. You know, people guy throw his line out. Also, not you just see Bonita coming over the edge, just Bonita after Bonita, just constantly. Like, what in the world? Then I go out there and I see the octagon packed. Like, no, I'm good. No, I, I want nothing. Yeah, of that. <laughs> it's the same on this coast when the kingfish show up. You uh, start getting a few kings, a four or five are caught in one afternoon. Well, the next afternoon, if you don't get out there. Early enough, you might as well uh, fish in the surf because you ain't going to have a spot. Yeah. Yeah, I was tempted to take the kayak out today because uh, it's flat and just basically go just a little out of their range and then cast the opposite way. <laughs> like, yeah. What's up? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Those so, things will drag your kayak around. Too, oh, those. man. That'd be so fun. <laughs> Good eating. 
Very good eating. So what brought you to the surf? I mean, you were in the pier. Uh, what, what brought you down to the sand? Well, I actually started surf fishing first. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's when my mom would go to the beach. I'd bring one rod and uh, catch sand fleas and then fish the little tide pools and runouts and catch uh, whiting and redfish. And I was like, man, this is easy. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. I just, I, I think as a kid, you know, there were probably a lot more fish uh, back yeah. then versus now. But the, I've been using sand fleas since I could catch them. And uh, I just remember <laughs> I wouldn't do it now, sitting in the water, throwing out and catching whiting, reeling them in. If I knew what follows those fish, I know what follows the fish now. So there's no way. Back then, if I'd have known that, I'd have been wading out there and drilling <laughs> up to me at waist deep water. But, and like I said, then my friend invited me up to the pier, and then I said, "You can catch every species of fish because it's structured. It's it's all about the structure, right? And uh, and once you, it, it makes it easy when you say, I, I just want to go up there and target flounder. If you're just fishing from the surf, that can be quite hard. Hey, I'm gonna throw a mullet out and just hope a flounder comes around. Or if you're on the pier, you go. I'm going to check every piling with a mullet. There's going to be a flounder sitting around one of them. Oh, and, uh, knowledge just gained right there. Game on. Thank you. I'm writing that down yeah, for me for and, later. <laughs> so the old Jack's Beach Pier, Hurricane Floyd, I was actually working there after I graduated. and I was going to FSCJ, but I worked at the pier, so I was basically fishing all the time then. Hurricane Floyd uh, knocked the end off, so it was condemned and for a good – I guess a year and a half, we fished it next to it, and uh, a lot of the pilings were gone, but it didn't matter. I mean, there was one day, me and I took my cousin down there. We had like 35 black drum in two hours. Holy it was every cast. Yeah, and then eventually uh, there was only one piling left because they started taking them out. The city turned it into a park, so there was one piling left out there. And just that one piling, you could catch your limit of sheephead and drum. Wow. So that that's what if you find a good surf spot that no one knows about and it has some structure, I would keep it to yourself, mark it down, and know that there's always going to be fish <laughs> around that structure. I mean, it's it's amazing what just one piece, one piling, does for a fish. Yeah. But uh, and then they built this new pier and it's pretty. You got the structure, you got fish. Right, but that's uh, pretty cool. The thing about pier fishing that translates to surf fishing, about ninety percent of the fish are caught what I call the surf zone. So that's why I tell when we do our seminars, me and Chip, I always bring up the fact that when you're surf fishing, a lot of these guys, I see them, they're wanting to cast it as far out as they can. You know, well, deeper water is the, the bigger fish. That's where all the fish are. Well, when you learn from pier fishing, all these fish are literally in three to four foot of water. When you're on the beach, where do you want to throw? That's the same place you're going to want to throw because those fish are in that same area because they're and they're eating sand fleas, crabs, and all of that. Right, same, they're loving people, that churn up right there. Yeah, yeah. It's like we call it the feeding zone, and it really is. And uh, I don't know how many times I would have fish laying on the deck because the cooler would be full drum, trout, flounder, reds. You can get all of that in one day in one spot sometimes. And you'd have the, I would call them the tourist fishermen, you, and you know it because they see the fish, and they go, well, I'm going out to the end. That's where the good fish are. And I'm like, have fun. <laughs> you know, I, I have an advertisement for them to show them that this is where they should stop, and they just keep on going. So it's uh, their loss. It's funny, though, with, with your guys' fishing versus ours, uh, 
and that was one thing that threw me when I went and fished with Chip, and then I went and fished uh, with Paul in the tournament. Yeah. You know, for us here, we're looking, we, we have that clear shot, so I can always see the bar. So it's like, all right, I see the yes. cut there. I can drop it here, here. You know, you get a little bit more tactical because you're like, okay, I can just bomb this zone. But, man, your guys' water, it's like, uh, I think that's a rock. Uh, what is that? You know, you're, you're really playing the, what the hell is that? All right, I'm going to throw it here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It, yeah, our water, you really just have to read it by the whitewash. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what reveals the sandbars and all of that. And uh, we don't, your water over there on the West Coast is pretty much clean all the time, isn't it? I mean, depending on the weather, uh, you know, we get a couple storms, you know, you're going to get chocolate milk for a couple days and then, you know, it okay, clears yeah. up. And then you got back to crystal clear blue and you're like, all right, where are they? You know, you're almost sight yeah, casting like, on the pier. Like here, uh, south wind is muddy pretty much nonstop. Right. And uh, northeast, we, my favorite wind, of course, is north, northeast over here, but sometimes it gets too clear over here. When it gets crystal clear, uh, you might as well. I don't even waste my time. Yeah, because you better fish early or late. Yeah, yeah. But I see pictures from further south on the east coast of Florida and even on the west coast where they're killing the pompano in crystal clear water. And I'm just thinking, well, I guess this Duval area just has a, a stigma to it for these fish. <laughs> it's crystal clear that they're like, yeah, no thanks. I know I what you're know. doing here. There was a sign on the exit when I came here that said, watch out for shiny things. That Don't touch yes. the shiny things. <laughs> Avoid the shiny. <laughs> Avoid the shiny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun seeing the differences between the two. And, you know, that was one thing Chip told me. He was like, you know, fishing, fishing to where it is. Don't go long. You don't need to go long here. And uh, then he explained to me, you know, the tide. He's like, remember, we have tides here. Two of them, you don't, because we only have the one a day. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And yeah. it's so, it, I mean, when Mike and I were finishing the tournament there, it was so weird to all of a sudden, like, all right, we're going to start here, and Chip's like, when well, you're casting now, where you're landing, you'll be having your sand spike there in a little while, so just just be patient. <laughs> like, holy crap, is he for real? And, yep, sure enough. Very true. Let's walk 100 yards down. All right, well, got to come back. Got to walk 100 yards back up. So your guys' tide shift, you know, I, I've learned a lot just seeing how the tide matters for you all with the structure like you guys have a little bit more work to do in your zone for fishing than well i i think we do here but uh, it's still very successful you guys have a great fishery yeah when they cooperate yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh i can't just be and, spring and, all the time <laughs> yeah and like over here i don't know about the west coast but the negative when we get negative low tides my goodness so if a place you're normally fishing my rule of thumb over here is like I like to fish about the last two to three hours of outgoing first two of incoming. That seems to be the prime bite okay. on uh, along the beach here. Unless you find a nice little slough or something that you know, okay, a dead high tide, that's going to be filled, and those fish are going to be sitting in there. For the most part, you got the trough that runs down, the, you know, pretty much down the beach in the sandbar, and it drops again. And uh, those negative low tides, if you get there at your normal time, you're like, oh, the water's already gone. <laughs> it, 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 and then you add a west wind or something into there. My goodness, you! I, I just, I just say, well, I'll be back in three hours. Better wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's got to be a lot of that's got to be a lot of frustration. And they're like, well, here we are. That's that's why fishing is more than just casting the line out. It really is. I mean, to truly, if you want to bring fish home, you you have to learn. Yeah. It's uh, you know. 
there's always that beginner's luck, I call it, where someone for the first cast, they catch a big drum or something and they go, oh, this is easy. Well, the next 10 times are going, why haven't I caught another drum on that first cast? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the skill and luck. Luck is great, but a little bit of skill helps a lot. Absolutely. Yes, it does. So well, let's actually make this a good segue into this. So you got a lot of knowledge that you've been sharing on your YouTube channel on Broken Reel uh, 23. What made you yes. want to start sharing and teaching? Well, if I've been, I've started doing a few. Uh, there was a peer club, peer and surf fishing, so they had me do a few seminars and like Flagler, Flagler beach fishing, surf fishing. They had me do a seminar. I said I like doing this, so I said, well, I can start doing this on a YouTube. That way, I'm sitting at home and still giving information without having to travel. And so, somebody with a click of their finger just clicks. Oh, okay. But uh, it's fun. I mean, other people helped me learn as a kid growing up because I asked a thousand questions. I wanted to, if someone else was catching fish and I wasn't, I would study everything they were doing and start asking questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you either learn or you don't, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Nope. Yeah. And then so this I figured this is a good way to help new, there's a lot of new surf fishermen. So instead of them getting frustrated and giving up, let's give them a little bit of help so they'll enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I love it, man, because that, that is the biggest one right there. You know, it, it, so many people learn from YouTube. It's it's a good platform for learning. It's got a lot of misinformation, sure. But for, yes. <laughs> you know, for a lot of cool stuff, it's like, all right, cool, I can you can pick and choose. You know, you can gain it and then go out and try it. It does help to fish with people because they're like, hey, I learned this. Can you show me if I'm doing it right or wrong? Like, yeah, sure, have at it. Um, yep. But, yeah, sharing the knowledge is key in this one because – we're not all going to be here forever. And now we have a digital library to leave a, a legacy behind with knowledge. So absolutely steal it yeah. while you can. I know my kids are always like, Oh, it's easy catching fish. You know, I, of course I'm doing the rig, stowing it out and Hey, there's one on that reel it in. And, uh, Oh, there's easy to catch whiting, pompano trout. I'm like, and then my daughter, she, how come that guy's not catching anything? I said, it's, it's not as easy as you think. Aliyah, her name, <laughs> I said, it's, I said, you just, just because we're always catching doesn't mean it's easy. I said, I always tell her, I said, you don't understand how many hours have been put in to learning how to catch them consistently. It's not, it wasn't a one hour fishing trip that I learned. It was thousands of hours more than likely in my lifetime. Right. Yeah, that investment so, pays off. Yes. Yeah, I told her, I said, I'm sorry that you, I said, you're, if you're going to go out on your own in a, try fish you might be disappointed if you don't learn what i'm teaching you because you're going to say well how does he do it all the time but, yep abby's the same way for me my daughter you know she, she'll come out and fish with me nine times out of ten i look over and she's got her face in her ipad i'm like you want to come fish like where are you gonna throw it i know <laughs> it's like come on i'm trying to help yes. you here zombie apocalypse i want you to be able to at least have catfish i mean come on that's what them. i always tell them i said hey if anything we can always catch fish and eat them and if yep. not, we'll eat sand fleas. <laughs> <laughs> and we know how to blanch them. I've, I've, I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, you eat them. I'm like, no, I'm good. Mm -mm, I no. need to. No, but they, they're getting good. I've taught them how to spot the sand fleas. So it's pretty cool. They're seven and t he's seven, she's 10. So we're going down the beach. Oh, there's a school of sand fleas. And they run down there and start digging them up. And just to see the beachgoers who had no clue what they were running to. And they're just going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, good bait it's right fun there. stuff. So what's your favorite part about doing seminars? Oh, man, just uh, 
sharing the knowledge and interacting with fellow fishermen, you know, answering their questions that they have. And, and, you know, they teach us stuff too. They will mention yeah. stuff that they've done that we might not even have thought of, you know, there's so, <laughs> there's a lot to learn. There is. I, I, I find that, especially on like our, fa- our Facebook groups, you know, one guy or gal will say, Hey, I did this. And somebody's like, Holy crap. I didn't even think of that. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. knowledge went. Yeah. And somebody like, well, I do the same thing, but this is what I did next. You know, it's not like, a, well, they do that. Thankfully, hopefully it's not the one-upper, but it's normally the, hey, I like what you're at. And then I added this and it kind of helped me out with this. So it's more of like a, a, a making better, but we always have that one-upper. Well, I use this and it catches more than you. Cool. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Just like, just like with your podcast. I mean, we like to talk, we like to talk about fishing. So that seminar yep. just opens up another opportunity to you're not we're not only sharing knowledge and it's not to say that mine and chip when we do it our knowledge is supreme but we're just teaching others what we've been very successful with so i mean if it works for us why wouldn't it work for someone else and uh we like to talk both of us so (laughs) (laughs) i mean when you're passionate about something you can pretty much talk about it all day long right a lot of times the seminars are like, okay, it's time to wrap it up or else it would have been gone for three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun when you start like, I can do this all day. Like, you really? Yeah. Oh, yes, I can. Don't don't try yep. me. I want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so we, we started a little bit talking about, um, uh, you actually mentioned the times that you like to fish, uh, but I'll bring it back up so that way everybody doesn't have to go back. So what do you feel are the best times or ideal conditions for fishing in your area? Time of year, I would say April and May really seem to be the uh, best months because you literally have every species of fish in the surf at that point and then turn it back again to the fall, September, October, November. I mean, there's fish caught in the summer, there's trout, reds, but primarily when that water temperature is around 67 to 73, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And like the time of the days I like to fish, it really depends if we got clear water. I like to fish early in the morning or in the afternoon as the sun's getting ready to set. And if it's clear and we got cloudy, cl- like a overcast day, I'll fish all day. But when it's high, I call them bluebird skies. When it's like that, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, and then in the course the northeast winds, if it's about five to ten, absolutely gorgeous water usually and a good bite. And, uh, and when I see other people catching, that's when I go to, you hear a report, you know, you hear a you report, oh, okay, well, I know that, I know they're there then. Like last year at this time, last February, I was going probably three to four times a week, easily getting 30 to 50 whiting a trip in just a three or four hour span because they were hungry and, uh, the water temperature is about 64, but this year, as we're speaking now, the water temperature is 54 degrees. So I haven't wet a line in a week and a half. Not that I can't probably get one or two fish, but I just know the dogfish are out there right now. And when I see surfers leaving from surfing and they can't feel their feet, I, I tend not to want to get in the water at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's with a wetsuit on. They got booties on. But yeah, the uh, Northeast, definitely my favorite. And uh, I don't know about on the West Coast, but sandy green water seems to be the best water to catch literally everything in that sandy green, not dirty, but just like a little tinge of sand in it with a green. 
okay. favorite. When I see that, man, it's when I look on the uh, surf cameras and I see that, it, I go into another gear getting my stuff ready to get loaded up and head down. It, it's great. I, I know it's horrible to say this, and you know, for those listening, I apologize. But, you know, you're <laughs> probably going to be mad at me for this. It's one of the cool things of owning your own business, though. Like I have my own RV business, and there are days where I'm like, Today might be a good day to go fishing. Hey, yep. sorry, I need to reschedule you for tomorrow. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I appreciate you. Don't worry. I'll give you a discount. It's going to be okay. I need to fish today or I'm going to miss this. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, doing my own landscaping, one-man band. Um, I look at my weather apps. It's it's OCD at this point, seven to eight times a day, the winds. So if I see, oh, man, Thursday, next Thursday is going to have perfect wind. Well, let me double up my yard on Monday and Tuesday <laughs> and get ahead so then I have Thursday open. I mean, I watch the weather patterns a lot. So if I see a lot of south wind, I go, well, I'm going to be working all day that day because the water's going to be dirty. But that two days after the south, we got light northeast wind. So that's that's what I'm going to shoot for because that water's going to clean up really fast. That makes sense you're talking about. I mean, looking at your forecasting that much, because that's the only way we can do it here. Granted, the weather forecast is almost never perfect, but you can get some right. ideas. I'm like, all right, I can play with this one, and you can it, within the couple days of it, you can make adjustments. So it, yeah, it's I mean, good. yeah. Our, us surf fishermen, we're we're more wet weather forecast dependent than I really think uh, people who fish in the river a lot. Do you know what I mean? Because the water pretty much stays the same color in the river, regardless of the wind most of the time whereas a south wind i'll go in the boat and we'll catch trout and reds in the river go to the beach i'm catching catfish because water's dirty yeah well, that that's the benefit but that's i mean that's the challenge of surf fishing you really gotta it's condition based a lot of the times it really is yeah well let's bring into the temperature thing so your video you put on the youtube channel about uh uh, water temperatures. It, it's jam-packed yes. with info. Amazing video. Um, how much do you think that info crosses across the Atlantic and the Gulf? I would have to... Like, what it, Do you know what your water temperature is where you're at right now on the beach? Yeah, right now we're at... I think we just... I think we just crested at 60 and dropping. Are they... Are the widening pretty much slowed down big time? Oh, yeah. Hardcore. They're, they're stacked up against structure and uh, not playing much of anything. It's, so, I, I mean, in my opinion, it's probably pretty much the same. If it's the same species of fish, I would assume they're the same tolerance to the temperatures. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless there's – because, like, right now, uh, my buddy's in North Carolina, as we speak, catching tuna. Water temperature up there on the surface, 37 degrees. Holy all God. they're catching are – yeah, that's what I said. I said, yeah, no thank you. And so they're not catching anything. But he said once that water hits 62, the whiting start biting. So. It's the same here, and I, I would just assume that pretty much the same in the surf over there. The water temperature, it really does play a huge role as to what fish you're going to catch. Now, like this past November, and there's a clock going off that'll be on the podcast. That's uh, okay. Don't worry. Yeah, I, there's going to be one coming up here soon, actually, on my side. Uh, where am I at? Let's see here. In another minute and 25 seconds, we're about to have an oh, alarm okay. go off because it's almost Great. bait check time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the... um. Water temperature, early November, I believe it was, was around 75, and the pompano had just started showing up over here uh, as they're moving south. Or yeah, moving south. Then we had that major northeaster hit, and it dropped the water about 10 degrees. I mean, it just 
And a after that was over, now we still caught some pompano, but it was nothing like it should have been. And that's because that water temperature dropped so much. They're like, well, we got to get out ahead of this. Yep, and they know. And, uh, that's the funny thing. Like, the fish oh, man, know, know perfect. Like, uh, uh we got to run. We got to run either out or we got to run south. It, it, it's yeah. amazing how they do that. Same with the mullet run. You know, that water starts hitting a certain degree. They're like, yep, it's time to start headed south. Yep. Yeah. Well, there was um. So Justin Reed, uh, I fish a lot with him here. He posted another share in the Panhandle Surf Fishing Group of whether uh, somebody did a chart, and then I've seen it on a couple other web pages of, you know, high tolerance, low tolerance in those zones for this certain species. And yeah, it's been dead on for me every time. It's like, all right, if the water is this, I know I'm going to have this. You know, we're in the lower temperature, and I was expecting more bluefish this time of year because we have a colder temperature. And yeah, originally being, I'm originally from New England, so colder temperatures, cooler, not colder, but cooler temperatures meant okay, it's going to be bluefish time. Hey, there it is. There's the alarm. That means it's bait check time, everybody. If I can shut my alarm off and make it not make noise anymore. <laughs> Geez, there it is. So, yeah, if you haven't checked your bait yet, it's been 25 minutes. Make sure you go check your bait. Get it in. Pause this, come back, and continue. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but with the uh, with the cooler temperatures, you know, I always saw bluefish as being caught a lot up there uh, off the rivers and off the beach and, you know, somewhat in the boat one. When we were here, I was like, oh, we're going to have bluefish for days. And everybody's like, yeah, no, we're not catching bluefish. But I was catching bluefish cyclic in warmer temperature over the summer. First thing in the morning, throw yes. out a spoon, and I'm just, holy crap, you know, I, you'll have a limit of bluefish within 30 minutes. It was insane. So Yep, and then the sun comes up, and goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, hey, got to go, got to go, got to go out. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, that temperature thing really does make a difference, and I think it's overlooked Absolutely. a lot. In April and May on the East Coast here, off the piers and then the, the inlets and stuff is when we tend to get our big blues, you know, 9 to 12 pounders. Holy crap, that'd be so cool to catch one that big. I remember I was reeling in the, uh, well, the trout was still 18 in inches, about a third of his body was bitten off. I was reeling, trying to get him up, and uh, I just see this monster blue trout down on him. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. But, of course, I I did. I thought it was so cool that I said, I don't know how much he'll eat. Well, he just ate that one portion and was gone. <laughs> but I was like, man, you would not want to put your finger in that guy's mouth. No. And, uh, no, you wouldn't have a finger. That's the one, like, I see people, you know, the bass people coming down, freshwater fishing, and I've seen one guy put his thumb, like, don't do it. Like, well, don't, don't, yes. don't treat any fish here like bass. You Everything will get a has rude teeth. awakening. <laughs> Even uh, redfish, if you, those redfish have some nasty little teeth. They're small, but, man, they'll scrape you up. Yep. Yeah. Some guy asked me, because uh, I always, I carry a Batman utility belt, I always say, um, on my side. I've got a holster with <laughs> grips. Uh, yeah pliers, everything. And he's like, why are you just grabbing the fish with grips? I'm like, come here. Let me open his mouth. Now take a look. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, nah, bro. I'm good. I mean, even Spanish. It's like, you see those? Those are jagged. Yeah. That hurts. Lip a flounder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All those snaggletooth looking things. I didn't realize Ooh. how big they were. Like, I, I, I just learned about that within the last, I think, They're the last canines, year. They're man. They yep. got some big teeth. Well, the problem, they're, 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 gum line or whatever their their mouth actually covers most of their teeth up but when you pull it back oh man they're sharp yeah yeah, yeah they don't <laughs> it's on my list of fish to eventually catch this year they're fun there's nothing like you feel that thump when you're dragging a live bait or even artificial i i've st started using artificials last year for them 
and uh, started catching them. And it's fun, man. You feel that thump, and you're like, oh, he's on. Yeah. Yeah, somebody was, um, I think, it was, I know Bun over here, but uh, Perdido Blaine was telling me, uh, I got some fight clubs, um, fish bites, and we went yeah. out the kayaks, and yeah, he's like, yeah, use this. Now do a super slow retrieve. And he's like, you're going to feel like you're hung up on the bottom. And yep. you're not. Just as soon as you feel hung up, <laughs> give it a little bit more of a turn. And if he committed once, he's going to commit twice. So once that happens, the rod will bend, you'll know. It's like, all right. And you know, yep. unfortunately, I didn't hook up that day. But um, it was pretty cool to explain. He's like, yeah, as soon as you do and you get that hook set, man, he's like, just hold on. It's going to get fun. Oh, yes. Yeah, because they like this. They're, they're, they have that wide body, so they really hug the bottom when you're trying to get them up. Yeah. Some excellent eating. I can't wait. Ugh, I got I to gotta get out there. Okay. So how is fishing in Jacksonville area uh, different from other places that you fished? Well, man, when we went down to like Melbourne and Sebastian, mm-hmm. water's always, it seems like the water's always clean there no matter what the wind. You come up here, like I said, <laughs> the water <laughs> temperature, it's just like, uh, it, or not the water temperature, the, the color of it when we get a south wind. We were in Melbourne and it was south at like 30 miles an hour on the we were standing at a hotel on the, the beach. I'm like, well, let's see what happens. Ah, the water never even got dirty. I just said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I said, man. And then when we were on the West Coast, we were at Madeira Beach, right there at the inlet, Johns Pass. And uh, when we stayed, actually we woke up and we were under a tropical storm warning. Something popped up overnight and it moved over. And then by noon, it was clear. We went to the beach and it was, I think, uh, 20, 30 mile wind still. Crystal clear water. I said, you got to be kidding me. Oh, I said, if this would have been up in Duval County, I said, it would have been complete chocolate milk. Oh, man. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do, too, with the St. Johns River. When it, you got to think about all the sediment that has pumped out of that river. And as it comes out, it goes down the beach, settles, and we get a strong south wind. I really think it it stirs it back up and gets it dirty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that silt moves. The, the silt moves really easily through there. Yes, and we got basically most of Florida pumping out of the St. John's River. So. <laughs> there yeah, it. if we get a lot of rain down south, I'm like, well, in a few days, it's going to be coming out of the St. John's River, and sure enough, the water will get uh, real tannic looking, and the bite pretty much dies because of salinity. You can see it coming down the beach sometimes. And the whiting and such, bluefish will be just going off. And then the, once that river, we we'll call it the river water hits, that's it. The bite dies. Yeah. And I mean, it's a massive salinity change, and those fish are out of there. Oh, man. I know. I hear uh, my, one of my customers, he goes to Alabama a couple times a year to sheephead fish. And he's like, yeah, we, we're catching 30, 40 sheephead a trip. So well, what are you using? Just little pieces of shrimp. I'm like. I said, I guess Northeast Florida just has fish that are different from everywhere else because <laughs> you put a piece of shrimp down in front of sheephead here, you'll catch a few, but most of the time, little dink fish are getting to them and the sheephead are turning their nose at it. Yeah, that's the same here. Uh, somebody actually just broke a secret out on social media that um, I'd heard about not too long ago and I was told, hey, whatever you do, please don't share this. Just if you're going to do it, go do it. Don't share it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I never will. I'm fine with that. If, you know, if a friend says this is between you and me or this is secret, don't share. Fine. I'm, I'm keeping it to my to myself. Yes. Um, but this one guy posted it up, I think it was yesterday, uh, using oysters. You know, you're shucking oysters, putting them on and putting them on a hook. And he said, dude, these things, these, every time he's gone out with oysters, he's crushing sheep's head. And other they, people are they using... swallow it the hook every time, just yep. about. Yep. 
he was just like, look, I've used fiddlers. They're good here. You know, I'll use a bottom sweeper jig. Yeah, it does fine. He's like, sometimes I've used shrimp. I've used, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name, but they are. Sand go fleas. shrimp. Go shrimp. I've heard sand fleas. Oh, I've heard oh, bland yeah, yeah, sand fleas are great. But yeah, he said this year, every time he's gone out with oysters, uh, he's crushed it. He, he limits out and he's watched other people and they come to him, what are you doing? Like, he's like, I don't know. I'm doing the same thing you are, see? <laughs> <laughs> go away. <laughs> and then he posted it. It makes like, sense. Yeah. After he posted, I was like, oh, this is going to piss some people off. Now, yeah, here we go. But you know, uh, knowledge you is know knowledge. How it is. The, uh, fit, the thing is, fiddler crabs, when they have them in stock, it's just the easiest thing to get, right? Yeah. And it's not, no work. You get them in a, a cup and you got your bait. A lot of people just don't like to use oysters because there's some work to it. You got to shuck them and get the oyster out. And, yeah. you know, I, I'll put it this way. <laughs> it's hard to be a good fisherman if you're a lazy fisherman. You got to use what the fish are eating. Don't, uh, like your friend, he's using oysters. Don't limit yourself to thinking it's just fiddler crabs. Yeah. Out on the pier, uh, I was saying when those cannonball jellies are around and those spider crabs are in them, you might as well just <clears throat> let your fiddlers go because they don't want them. They want only the crabs, the spider crabs out of those jelly balls. They won't even touch a sand flea at that point. So It's funny you bring that up because the day I went out with, uh, I think it was, it was either Chip or Paul. I think it was Chip. We were out. Yeah, no, yeah. it was Chip. He saw some jellies, and he's flipping them over. I'm like, ah, don't touch the jellies, man. <laughs> yeah. Taking on the jellies? You got thrill issues, bro. Um, and he explains, like, yeah, what I'm looking for is the crab. I'm like, oh, no kidding. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, he's like, everything I need for intel is here. I If I do a good scrape, I get a bunch of coquina. All right. If I'm not getting sand flea, all right, I'm going to have to go after that. You know, it's like, look at the beach, read the beach, read what's around you, and that will give you a ton of intel on what you need to throw and how you need to throw it. It's like, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Those pompano will eat spider crabs, too. Will they? And whiting. Yeah, I've caught whiting with spider crabs in their bellies. No kidding. Yep. That's pretty cool. I think a lot of people, yeah. I, I know people are doing it more often now. When I first started, I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. But every time I was catching, I'd cut the stomach open. You know, I'd be like, what do you got? Shrimp, absolutely. Just start. That tells me everything I need to know. Like, yeah. And what the one thing is, uh, what I always watch for too is the shrimp boats. If like when I'm fishing in Ponte Vedra, which is just south of Jack's Beach, if I see a lot of shrimp boats along the beach there shrimping, I know that's all I want to use is shrimp because that means the shrimp are in there. And there's been times where I've cleaned whiting and they have whole shrimp in their bellies. I'm like, well, this wasn't mine, and there's no one else fishing around here. So they're literally eating shrimp that are cruising along the surf line. Yep. Yeah, they so everything loves shrimp. Yes. Then there's other times they they want those sand fleas. You'll clean them, and all they have in their belly is sand fleas. So if you go the next day, you know you better have some sand fleas. Yeah, diversity of bait. I mean, I've heard it on numerous YouTube channels. I've heard it all the fishermen. They always you can't go with you can't go to the beach with one kind of bait. You need to bring several. Yes, it's annoying, but do you want to catch fish or do you want to sit and stare at your poles all day? It's right. your choice. Uh, yeah. Yep. Like that's why fish bites fish bites doesn't just make a shrimp flavor. You know? <laughs> yeah. They got multiple flavors for a reason. Yep. Same as when, when I go, I got usually have shrimp. Now in the winter it's pretty much shrimp because when there's no sand fleas in the surf, I, there's no point in using I mean, I might get a few fish, but for the most part they don't really touch them until the sand fleas actually pop back up. And so they're focused in on shrimp, but like April, May, I got clam, sand fleas, shrimp, crab knuckles, and uh, find out what the fish are eating that day. And once you find out, then all the rods have that same bait on them. Yep. 
Yeah, it's always nice um, on the exploratory cast when you're doing zones. Uh, I, I mean, I normally I'm doing a four rod set on double drop, so it's like yeah. all right, I've got eight different bait options I need to come up with to see what is hitting. And I, I've done it before. I keep a, I've kept a logbook in my in my chair. Like all right, number one was this. All right, this is what it's hitting. Fine, stack them. But you know. That that Absolutely, was that was yeah. then. Now it's on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. Just don't lose your phone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, well, that would that would be heartbreaking in itself, right? I know. Last February, uh, the orange floats for the whiting were the key. Any other float color? I mean, it was just amazing. And I would switch them up, put one on the top, one, up, and then on the next rod on the bottom, they were keyed in on that orange every time. And the orange floats were literally white by the time I was done fishing, where they had completely scraped all the. All the orange off of the float. Yeah. It, yeah. I know we're going way off of our stuff here, which is fine. I mean, this is just a fun <laughs> conversation now, and I'm good with it. it. It's funny when you have those conversations, too. Like, I'm, I'm looking at one of my rods right now, and I have an orange float on one, and then on the bottom, it's naked. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you, you could have a conversation with one person who swears by floats, and then you could have another conversation with somebody who swears by beads. Uh, or, yep. you know, or, or maybe it's this. And it's like, oh, look, do they work? Yeah, we've proved that they work. It's just a matter That's, of what's the combination for the day. I know. I know. I never go with four same rigs. I'll have four different rigs. And then uh, once I find out if one rig is getting favored over the other three, guess what happens? All four rods will have that same rig then. Yeah. But about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I went down there and the water, it was overcast and the water was super clear. They would not touch any of the double dropper rigs, no beat. It didn't matter what combination. So I went back to a regular Carolina rig and it was a West wind. So there was no current Carolina rig, two ounce eggs or a pyramid and about a two foot leader with just a hook, nothing else. Then st started wearing them out immediately. Yep. It was, I put the rod in the rod holder, threw it out in a little run out. I had just had the same double drop rigs in that same run out, not a hit. Well, that day they wanted the long leader with nothing. Wow. So I said, oh, you, you just really have to be – now, there's days where no matter what you do, you they, don't, they might not bite just because <laughs> they're like us. They may not be hungry. Yeah. So – but it it's – don't ever get set into, like, I got to use this exact rig. And then when you go, you don't get no bites and say, well, I guess this rig's not working today. Well, maybe they want something else. Yeah. Uh, Tony just dropped a video, uh, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, his new panhandle rig, a combination of a sli of a knocker and a Carolina, and it's like a different kind of rig. It makes sense. I mean, I've been fishing. Yeah. Uh, there was one place I used to fish, four rods, double dropper, and I'd just sit there, and this old man came out, and he just kind of looked at me and nodded. He sat down <laughs> with his six-foot rod and half hour, or I think he had a half-ounce egg sinker, and he threw out yes. his hook, and all of a sudden I'm watching him fill a cooler of whiting, and my rod's not going off. I'm like, what? I went over, I'm finally talking, I'm like, what am I doing? He's like, oh, man, you're just overthrowing the fish. He's like, you're just throwing it too far. Bring it in. Yeah. So I brought one in and yep. got a little bit of nuts. He goes, oh, you're using double drop? He's like, oh, you can't use a double drop, man. you got to bring that shrimp off the bottom. Just put the shrimp and let it. They'll find it. Sure enough. I was like, I hate you. I really hate you. <laughs> he, yeah, those, he just knows. Those egg sinkers, I tell you, it, it would be hard to um, use a four-rod setup with just egg sinkers. But I yeah. tell you, there's days where I, I'll, use, I'll just go to one rod, you know, 18-inch leader, throw it out, and you just – because there's no resistance against the bottom, you just reel it real slow, and then you can find the, and they'll just hit it, man. On the when the pier is open, on days where there was a lot, a lot of current, that's all I would use was egg sinkers. 
because the waves would give it just enough action to roll just a tiny bit. Man, it seemed like every time a wave would go by, you'd see the rod just go down. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> I love it. You know how addicting that is to see that rod just go down. Oh, yeah. and you know there's a big whiting on the other end. Never gets old. No, not even a little. I mean, I, no. I remember the first time here I went night fishing and I put glow sticks on the top of my rod and it was like a whole different <laughs> adrenaline rush seeing the glow stick. I was like, this is cool. You know, granted it was yeah. mostly catfish, but it was like just seeing that little bounce with the light on. It's like, all right, th- this is fun. Why Why am I enjoying this more than the daylight? Oh, it, it really is. It's the same with float fishing. Just seeing that float shoot under the water, man. It, it's so addicting. I've heard about that. You, the old school bobber style, but the float out there is just doing the, it's holding it right at that, uh, that zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yep, it's fun. I, I've, I've been surprised <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of those coming out, but I, I know they work, and I'm like, I kind of want to go that route this year. So I might I might in the spring, that's for sure. It's worth trying. Hell yeah. All right, so I'll attempt to get back on track here. On an average yeah, day, yeah. how do you set up to fish for your targeted species? Dude, oh, hell, we kind of well, covered I really, that. I, <laughs> yeah, um, like if I want whiting, like I said, I'm using the double droppers and uh, – the normal whiting baits and pompano baits. But uh, like if I want to target more redfish or flounder, <clears throat> I'm usually using finger mullet and I'll use a Carolina rig and throw it as shallow as I can without it being uh, ankle deep. Do you know what I mean? Just I try to get it right behind the wash or if you find a nice little cut because those reds and flounder, they are right in that surf zone because wherever the mullet are, that's where they're going to be. I mean, you, you you know, you catch them every once in a while using regular your regular whiting setup, throwing out far. But a lot of times those 18 to 24-inch reds, they're right there in the suds. Wow. So, I mean, it's and, – and, you know, that's where, that's where I think pier fishing has helped me with the surf fishing is because when you're up there, you can see where these fish are hanging. And there's times where I've seen, you know, 40-inch reds knee-deep water cruising along chasing mullet i'm like okay so this whole time i've been overthrowing him when i'm on the beach because that's where he's swimming and he didn't he he came north towards the pier so he was swimming down the beach the entire time in that shallow water all right but but with pompano they tend to be out you know they they do tend to stay a little bit further out most of the time it's weird, isn't it? That, how that works? It's it, like you have, have to you find the bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It drove me nuts when I first started surf fishing down here. Um, I could not cast to the bar. I just couldn't. I had the I, one. I didn't have a good form, and I didn't have the right rod. Uh, just a little bit short of it. And the first one I caught actually was funny. Tony was actually fishing that day. It was the first time I actually fished with him. Um, I finally I walked out with a sand flea and I, I was like, I'm doing this. And I threw it and I got it over the bar. I walked back and sure enough, that was my first pompano. And I was like, this is stupid. Yep. Like, I got to get better rods. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, why, why do I have to constantly throw it all the way out there to this stupid bar for a pompano? Um, yeah. And then it, yep. I started realizing, you know, and then I went to another beach on my own and I was in a bowl. Essentially, it was kind of a weird setup, but the pompano had followed the bar and then this is when I learned, basically, I call them uh, highway exits on the cuts. They'd follow that yes. in. They'd find the bowl. They'd do their circle in the bowl, trying to get to the middle. Any of the stuff that got churned up, they want the, you know, the coquina, the sand flea that's stuck there. So if you're on the outer portion of the bowl uh, for that cut, you know, that I, I must have hit, I don't know, five or after once the time changed, it was a weird one for me. Um, the bar- rod was going off. It was the first time I'd actually caught a pompano that jumped out of the water to get off the hook. And I was oh, like, what the yeah, hell is this? It, yeah, they do. 
So that was sometimes good. they'll come off the hook when they jump. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. And I, oh I, no! I definitely like I shook my head, you know, and I texted the group, and the group's like, "Oh, dang, that was the Florida record Pompano you just lost." It's like, "Oh, shut up! Don't, oh, don't say no. that to me," you know. But on the same one, it, it was great because the lesson next one, um, I think it was Tom Cabrera told me. He's like, hey, you know, if the Pompano's jumps like that, get that rod tip down. He's like, don't hold it up. Get it down to the lower side and continue. Keep the keep the tension on the lower angle. He's like, if they're jumping mm-hmm. up, they're getting for the slack. And if you're high, what are you going to want to do when you see them jump? He's like, well, I'm either going to reel fast or pull. He goes, right. But the hook's in a funky position because the sinker's out. So what's going to happen? I'm like, all right. Right out, yep. So he's like, if you keep the rod tip down, he can jump, but you can pull a little bit towards the lower uh, lower angle, and it's gonna. You might have a better angle to pull it back and get control. I was like, all right, I'll do that. Um, so that was a, that was a fun lesson to learn. I, and I haven't had a pompano come off now after any jumpers out of the water. But I'm like, oh, it's a big one. It's jumping. This is gonna be I great. Know, I love it. <laughs> oh man, those damn fish. Okay, so those ones. Um, so when you said finger mullet, are you using live or just cut pieces? What are you using? I like I like to use them live. Yeah, hook them through the no, the nostril. Put them out there on the little Carolina rig. Okay. That's how I use it. I know a lot of people have good luck with the cut, but I, for me personally, when I use the cut, I seem to catch more uh, <laughs> bluefish. They seem to like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the speckled trout really love that, that whole, that live mullet on the um, fish finder rig. If you can get the mullet the size of about your middle finger, average middle finger, that's about the perfect size. You get them any bigger, they'll still eat them. If you've seen a trout flounder red's mouth, they got a big mouth, but you have a better chance of actually missing the hook set. Yeah. The, those middle finger size, man, it's just a thump, and it usually it's on. Nice. All right, I'll try that one. So what do you think and is you the top? T- oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 you had more go. I was going to say, and, and if you can tell which fish is actually hitting your mullet, too, like if you throw out and you get slammed and you miss it and it comes in completely scaled, and I call it folded over, a lot of times that is that will be um, a redfish. Because they'll pretty much scale the entire fish. A trout, a lot of times, they can be real finicky sometimes. You'll fill multiple hits on the mullet, and then you'll reel it in, and there'll just be random teeth marks all over it, where they're just grabbing it, letting it go, grabbing it, letting it go. Then, like with flounder, if you miss flounder, you set the hook and pull it out of their mouth. You'll see where you'll see the teeth marks, and it scraped all the way down the body where you were pulling it right out of their teeth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just like with a lot of these fish, you can tell how the, even uh, I was teaching my daughter, like you can tell which one's a whiting, which one's a pompano by how they're fighting. Same with a shark. You'll feel them. It'll be like, you know how it is with you catch your bonnet head. It just gets, feels like you're reeling in a blanket and then you'll feel it coming towards the top and then it'll come right on the top spinning. Same with the pompano. Usually the pompano when it hit, you see that little fast, it's a fast rod action, you know, boom, 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 then Either the line goes slack or it goes over real fast. <laughs> yeah, and the slack one, you're like, oh, I got to catch you. And you got to catch up yeah, quick. And you're, hoping, and you're hoping it ain't into two or three of your other lines already. Yep. Yeah, for us, it's uh, it's weird. Cause, um, and I was, I think I was talking, uh, I don't remember who it was. It, but uh, for us, it's funny. We've got the north-south run. Um, yeah. You know, they hit us, and then a lot of times they run north at first. And then they'll they'll dart direction. You know, if they swim to the side, you know it's a pompano for us. Um, yes, but yep, out there, same thing. Yeah, same yep, thing here for you guys. It's normally a run north. Not uh, it's not an initial west run. It's a north run. I think he was saying. Right. 
So it's like, oh, if it goes yep. north, you know you got to pump. So get in with it. And it was like, wow, it's funny how it does it for us north upward, and it's a slack line. You got to get it. Versus yes. another zone where it's, oh, it's going down the beach. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, when they start doing that, yeah, because the whiting is pretty much going to come straight in. I mean, they'll move a little to the left and right, but nothing like a pompano. Yeah, that pump's going to run. I love it. That side run, love that run. Oh, yeah. When they get in inches of water, you're like, okay, just don't come off the hook. Yep. Leave me alone there, shore <laughs> monster. I can. I, I got to do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what do you think is the top misconception new anglers and surf fishing think or they hear? Whew. Yeah, to me, well, I think sometimes they just think it's too, they hear, that, well, what it is, social media has made it seem like surf fishing is very easy. Yeah. Because you have, you can, okay, you're not posting your catches up if you only caught one fish, right? Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. So, most of the catches you see are good catches, so you're going, man, everybody's going out there and killing them. Well, that's not usually the case. If you you see the people who are constantly posting good catches, you go back and you see, oh, this guy's always catching a lot of fish. And so I think they sometimes go out there with that mindset. All I need is a, a two-hook rig from Walmart with uh, some dead shrimp, and I'm going to go fill a cooler too. <laughs> and then I might fill a cooler full of catfish and sharks, but they're not going to be doing it with whiting and pompano more than likely. Right. I mean, before social media was around like it is now, the only way you knew they were biting is if you were actually on the beach. And so, like when I was a kid on the old pier, it was you, you. It was just, it. Nothing really. Nothing's really changed. The more they change, the more they stay the same. You would have the people who were content on using the rig they've used all their life, even though it doesn't catch any fish, and they just weren't willing to adapt. And I think. That, that's the biggest issue with new fishermen. They have to be able to adapt. If they catch a few fish on this one rig, don't just automatically think that this is the go-to rig every time now because you know how it is. Those fish, there's some days it don't matter what you throw at them, they're eating because they're just in that feeding frenzy. But nine times out of ten, that rig, you're going to be looking at the guy next to you with the right rig killing the fish while you're just hoping for a bite. Oh, no. man. Yeah, that that's a, it's, it's painful, but it's true. Yeah. And and for new fishermen, I would suggest this. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. I mean, sometimes these guys, they, they might tell you no, but what you can do while you're asking the question is study their rig. See what <laughs> rig they're actually using. <laughs> you know, wear your sunglasses so they can't see your eyes. Yeah. And, uh, hey, how you doing looking? <laughs> yeah, see what bait they're using and all of that and just say, hey, what are you doing different? I mean, that's honestly, attention to detail is the most important thing. If you, if you want to know what the guys who are most successful, you got to learn what they're doing, you know, just, and then don't cast over their spot. That's the most frustrating <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Don't cross the line. <laughs> I've been on the beach before and, uh, I would walk, you know, several hundred yards away from the next person and start catching them. And little by little, you see them moving further and further down. And I remember one time I was catching a bunch and they finally moved down to where they're crossing my line. So I packed up. I said, y'all can have that spot. And I moved to where they were and started catching the fish. <laughs> oh, that's glorious. Yeah. And they were, well, what it was, they were, I was fishing a big run out and they were fishing a run out, but they weren't, they didn't have the proper setup, so they couldn't reach it. Uh, yeah. And so I just switched spots and started reaching and started catching and they just, 
And then finally he came up and said, what am I doing wrong? I said, well, the six foot rod is part of the reason. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I said, I know you don't want to hear that, but if, and then I showed him where I was casting and how I was doing. He says, well, that makes sense now. No one wasn't getting any bites. Yep. Yeah. We, we have a kind of lucky here. Uh, we got a huge tourist uh, tourism during the summer, you know, that Navarre is very, we're fortunate for that and uh, cursed at the same time. But yeah, yes. we get the, I get the northerners that come down and like, you know, I look over and I see that bass rod and I'm like, okay. And then I see a full piece of shrimp on a double drop. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come I talk know. to you soon. I'm going to, because I, I want you to catch fish, but it, you know, some yes. of them are just like, well, I'm good. I'm like, okay, you have the best time down here and I, I'll see you around sometime. I know my, uh, I'm, I'm OCD when it comes to that. So when I see someone else fishing like that, I'll, I'll tell my wife, uh, what are they doing? They're using a whole piece of shrimp. They don't need to do that. She's like, well, then go, don't worry about it. Let them have fun. I said, oh, I said, I'm just, I said, that is not the way to, that is not the right way. To, I said, they're putting a whole shrimp and hooking it right through the middle of the body, throwing it off the hook when they cast and don't even realize it. Yep. Yeah. And we, and the funny thing is we've all been there and, and it, that's the other funny part of this is it, you go over and I'm like, look, dude, I was doing the exact same thing you were before. Somebody yes. told me what to do. And all of a sudden my hookups changed. I'm not trying yep. to make you feel bad, but here, here's a couple of free rigs. Here's a couple, you know, get rid of that metal Walmart rig. It's too bright. Try this yes. and cut these. And then look, and if you're looking for where you're going to throw, throw around here and then let, let's go from there. And normally, you know, within an hour they're catching there goes the clock again. Yeah, yeah, bait check. Yeah, well, and, and you know the thing is, you find like you mentioned helping others, you'll find that about I would say more than ninety percent will actually listen. Yeah. Because the the biggest thing to show them, just show them your cooler. Say if you don't believe me, would you like to look in my cooler? <laughs> and that's usually the biggest. Okay, okay, you're right. But there's always that that you know there's always that one who's like I've been doing it this way forever and. I'm not changing. Okay. okay. There was one day I offered a guy, I had some, I had several extra rigs. He had a Walmart double hook rig, not catching anything. I said, would you like one of my rigs? Like, no, my rig's fine. I didn't argue. I said, okay. And he saw me kept pulling them in about 20 minutes later. He says, you have, you said you had an extra rig. I said, yeah. I said, this is the one I'm going. I said, you've got too much tackle on there. So you don't need all of that. He's like, oh, I, you know, this is what I've always used. I said, well, have you ever had really good days of filling the cooler? He's like, nah, not really. I said, I said, I'm just trying to help you out here. <laughs> Let's remedy that. Let's get that cooler full for you. You're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, dude, this has been fun. Uh, so do you have any other tips or recommendations you'd like to throw out before we uh, close this down? If you're a live bait guy, um, when, when you're surf fishing, fresher the better. That's my main uh fresher the better if i can't get good dead shrimp i'll buy them live three or four dozen put them in the bag and put them on ice it really it really makes a difference and uh when you buy them dead and they're already turning orange or they got the black in them do not give them your money for that shrimp that's all i can say yeah. <laughs> i mean you'll catch fish but but they also come off the hook much easier you know what i mean and they just it's not the same that fresh shrimp really makes a difference and uh Practice, practice, practice. Uh, the more you go, the the better you'll become. And like you said, now there's really no excuse now with the amount of resources on social media and YouTube to learn from a lot of these guys who are really good fishermen, and they're putting out 
out their info on how to catch them. When you go now, I mean, honestly, you should be prepared. All you have to do is add the experience after that. There you go. Like I didn't have social media when I was a kid. I mean, it was there, but I didn't. I was fishing. I was learning on the, watching other people fish and uh, learning on the fly. But uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Mister. I appreciate it. Again, everybody, yeah, man, you know, this guys, is great. It's been fun. I mean, tons of knowledge dropped. So, uh, for everybody else too, if you want, definitely go take a look at his YouTube channel, Broken Reel Twenty Three. There's even more knowledge on there, and it's great stuff. And I know you're going to be doing. I think you're doing some seminars. I don't know, but I think you're doing some. Yeah, we got soon. some. We have me and Ship got to get together. Um, yeah, my YouTube ain't like the normal YouTube. I don't have a ton of videos where I'm actually catching fish. It's usually giving fishing reports and uh, information. I've tried to wear a GoPro, and I move my head too much, and I move too much. So the video, <laughs> I, I'm one of those OCD guys who's checking my rod tips every two seconds. So <laughs> it, it doesn't make for great video. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that one completely. Sadly, <laughs> but true. I get it. All right, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I definitely you know, I look forward to meeting you. I know I'm going to come over there, so I look forward to fishing with you sometime. Yeah. And, and thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. I enjoyed it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You just heard a ton of knowledge. Hopefully you were taking notes. But the best part about a podcast is you can rewind and listen to the whole thing again. So we appre- I appreciate you. And, I didn't, well, we, all of us that uh, put this stuff together, we appreciate you coming and checking it out. If you liked it uh, and got something out of it, please you know, like, share, pass the knowledge out there for the podcast. It's there to help people. I'm an education platform. That's my goal. Uh, I just want you to become a better angler. Why not? It's all we can do is to get better. So. Thanks for sticking around. We'll see you all next week. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Take care. Bye.